Thank you. Thank you all for sharing that offering that you've just presented to God and to our congregation. I know God is smiling, and I think I see the congregation smiling too. Thank you. What, what season are we in? I forget. What season? No, not yet. Almost. Fall? Fall? Huh? Autumn? Advent calendar. Yeah, that's right. You got an Advent calendar, didn't you, from out front? Advent. Advent is four weeks before Easter. It's four weeks. <laughs> Advent is four weeks before Christmas. Well, it's four weeks before Easter, too. There's just a lot in between, right? <laughs> four weeks before Christmas, right? And we're preparing. We're renew You're just saying we, we're renewing our hearts. We're preparing our hearts. You want to sit right here by me? We're preparing our hearts to receive Jesus. You know, Jesus already came as a baby, right? 2,000 years ago. You know about Jesus? Yeah, he came as the Savior of the world. God came down as Jesus, and then he died on the cross so that we can be with God forever. That's, but, God, but Jesus is coming again. We don't know when, but he's coming again. And all the lessons tell us, be ready, be prepared. Renew your hearts for Jesus. That's what Advent's all about. So we've got four weeks, and you can look at the banners. We've got hope, peace, joy, and love. Joy is the third Sunday. That's why we have the third candle, which is sort of a rose candle, a pink candle, the joy candle. Because it's a little bit, you know, Advent is kind of like, you know what Lent is? When we, when we really give up things, a lot of things for Lent because we're thinking about Jesus on his cross. Advent is kind of like that. It's a penitential season, and we're preparing our hearts, preparing to get rid of our sins so we can meet our Lord face to face. But the third Sunday is a little bit lighter, and so it's a joy Sunday. Today is Hope Sunday. We just said that in the prayers for the first candle when we lit it. When, who lit it a while ago? Yeah. Oh, you, yes, you did. When you lit it a while ago. So it's a wonderful season, a wonderful season to get ready for Jesus' coming. And then on Christmas Day is when we celebrate Christmas. And 12 days after it, first day of Christmas, 12th day of Christmas, all the way through, all 12 days. But until then, we're getting the church ready for Christmas. We've got the Advent wreath up, and we've got the new banners up, and we're going to start putting the wreaths up, and we're going to start doing something different every week, getting ready for Christmas. Did you see the Advent candles out front by the street? The big ones? Look, when you, when you go out, look at them again. Uh, those are beautiful. That's new for us this year. And it helps the thousands and thousands of cars that go by every day remember that they are to prepare their hearts, too, for Jesus. Okay? All right. Yes, ma'am. One, one question. When we renew our hearts, wouldn't we like have kind of have like a clean slate? Kind of have like a clean slate. Well, yeah. Because like at my old church, they said like like they did this thing where there were white shoes and they put masks. 
ketchup. Oh, oh, they had a white shirt. They put mustard and ketchup on it, and then, and then when you start over, that mustard and ketchup's gone, and it's just you begin again, right? Uh, well, I don't see any mustard or ketchup on your, on your cast. I mean, on your surplus there. So it did happen. <laughs> It is in your heart. Yes. It is. Well, God just God wants us to do the best we can. And when we keep our eyes on God, that really helps us to have a clean heart. Okay? One okay, then we'll go. Yes, ma'am. So you said that we will be we will be preparing for God's return, but what when will God return? When will God return? You know what the Bible says? It says you'll see signs and wonders. You'll see things with the, happening with the moon and the stars and the sun and the waves of the ocean. It doesn't say exactly when. In fact, Jesus said nobody knows but the Father alone, Father God. But he does say be ready. Be ready. That's why we keep our hearts clean. That's why we keep our eyes on Jesus. Be ready. Don't go doing what you want to do all the time. It's not all about us. It's about God. And so always keep your eyes on God and be ready. That's all he's at. That's what he's asking. Just be prepared like a good boy scout or girl scout, right? Be prepared. Be ready for when it happens. All right. All right. Go get a packet. If, oh, we don't have any. No packets. All right. Go back. Follow Miss Music, y'all. Thank y'all for coming up. I need a hand. I need a helping hand. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Don't kill me, Jason. Don't kill me. Thank you, sir. So there was a, a man in Chicago who, who calls his son in New York just the day, one day before Thanksgiving. And he says, I hate to ruin your day. But I have to tell you that your mother and I were getting a divorce. 45 years of misery is enough. And the son, scream, the son screams, Pop, what are you talking about? And the father says, we can't stand the sight of each other anymore. We're sick of each other. I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Dallas and tell her. Well, frantic, the son calls his sister who explodes on the phone. Like heck, they're getting a divorce, she said. I'll take care of this. So she calls Chicago immediately screams at her father, you are not getting divorced. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back and we will both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. Do you hear me? And she hangs up the phone. The old man hangs up his phone, turns to his wife, says, okay, honey, they're coming for Thanksgiving and they're paying their own way. begin the sermon with a story. Two-year-old two Jack, as he leans on his father's knee, says, Daddy, tell me a bunny story. And his rumpled baseball jersey bears a fresh spaghetti sauce stain from that night's dinner. Daddy, tell me a bunny story. And Dad tears his gaze away from the computer screen. What was that, son? Tell me a bunny story, says Jack, one with a truck in it. Dad sighs as he glances back at the screen. His paper is due in two days. 
His professor tries to be sympathetic, but there are only so many times that she will let students stretch a deadline. On the other hand, he thinks, there's only so much time before this little boy grows up and stops listening to his dad's stories. So the dad asks, a bunny story? Little Jack bobs his head happily. Dad repeats, with the truck in it. Okay, climb up here. Placing Jack on his knee, Dad begins spinning a tale about a mischievous bunny who gets into all kinds of trouble while zipping around in his great big truck. And of course, every story has to have a villain. And to keep from overtaxing his imagination, Dad uses the same villain in every bunny story, the big bad wolf. And so Dad begins introducing the wolf to this story as well. And little Jack insists, no wolf, Daddy, no wolf. But Jack, he says, how does the bunny story always end? And the bunny lived happily ever after, right? I know the end of the story. The bunny's going to be just fine. And Jack covers his father's mouth. And in the sternest manner a toddler can manage, he repeats, no wolf, not wanting to create strife just before bedtime, dad sighs and replies, okay, Jack, it's okay, no wolf. And what I want you to notice is that already at the age of two, this little boy has an understanding of evil. If he'd not already been introduced to evil, he would not have feared the wolf. But since he perceives its destructive nature, he thinks nothing of editing the world to make evil disappear. That would be really nice, wouldn't it? Editing the world to make evil disappear. What a nice gift that would be for this first Sunday in Advent. A world without evil, a world with no big bad wolf. Biblical faith acknowledges the reality of evil. That's the truth of the matter. The Bible is very candid. There is no place on this earth where evil and suffering and heartbreak cannot exist. And we're never prepared for it when it happens, are we? Neither on a societal level nor on a personal level, we're never prepared for the coming of the wolf, the diagnosis of cancer, Alzheimer's, an automobile accident, a fire, the failure of a business, a son or daughter addicted to drugs. And there suddenly in the room with us is this awful monster from which we cannot escape. No wolf, daddy, no wolf. And so we turn to scripture for help and reassurance, we come to the words from today's gospel reading, Luke chapter 21. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the son of man 
coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, the gospel says, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Now, most scholars classify this text with Jesus' apocalyptic teachings about the last days of earth's existence. That's why we find this kind of imagery at the beginning of the season of Lent. I mean, of Advent, I did it again, of Advent. Advent is the celebration of Jesus coming into the world. The second Advent is when he will return with power and great glory. When will that be? They just asked. We don't know. But one thing is clear. Before it happens, there will be many trials, many tribulations. There will be distress among the nations. Confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves, people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. This can be a very cruel world, and we are never prepared. Back in November of 1963, 17-year-old Laura Welch, she borrowed the family car to attend a party with some friends. A few hours later, the Welches received the kind of telephone call that every parent dreads. Staff from a local hospital were calling to tell them that Laura had been in an accident. She never saw the stop sign, so she drove through the intersection at normal speed, plowing through a car that had the right of way. Laura suffered only bruises. The driver of the other car, a track star at the local high school and a good friend of Laura's, died on impact. Laura would later say that this horrible tragedy shaped her perspective on life at a very young age. She gained compassion. She gained wisdom from it. Friends and family alike today marvel at her serenity and strength. And maybe you too have grown to respect her qualities as an adult. For Laura Welch went on to become Laura Bush, wife of the past president of the United States. This can be a very cruel world and no one is exempt wealth cannot exempt us position cannot exempt us even a loving family cannot exempt us saints and sinners alike eventually have to acknowledge that a wolf is loose in this world a wolf that brings heartache and suffering even to the best of people Writer Robert C. Shannon notes that in 1938, a hurricane threatened the New England coast. And people feared that the railroad bridge at White River Junction would be destroyed. The danger was averted when some thoughtful person backed a line of loaded freight cars onto the bridge. The bridge withstood the force of the winds because of the weight that it bore. And Robert Shannon says, the weight of your responsibilities may rest upon you heavily, but that weight may be the very thing that keeps you from being swept away 
by the storm of sin. Is that why God allows the wolf to run free? Because ultimately it makes us strong enough to bear the heaviest burden? Perhaps one of the reasons. There's a wonderful story told by James Mishner in his book, Chesapeake. He says the Choptank Indians on Maryland's eastern shore believed that God gave them the bay for transportation and for fish, that God gave them reeds for houses and mats and crabs for delicious food. They also believed that God gave them mosquitoes to show that God could do whatever God wanted to do. That may be as good an explanation as any for the presence of evil in this world, but still for some of us, we might feel that God has overdone it. This can be a very cruel world. Sometimes we are left sobbing, no wolf, daddy, no wolf. But the wolf is here. The destruction is enormous. The pain is overwhelming sometimes. In our passage today, Luke uses words like anguish and faint from terror and apprehensive, and he describes a world shaken to its foundations. But then we read these words, when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. What a powerful message for troubling times. It makes no difference whether we're talking about the end of time or, or the end of next week. The message is the same. Stand up, raise up your head, for your redemption is drawing near. This is the ultimate Advent message. Our redemption is near. No matter how heavy the burden, how stark the situation, how discouraging the dilemma, we can make it. We can endure. We can conquer because Jesus Christ has come into the world. Some time back, there was a TV drama. It was about a nurse who was a single mom. Her husband had left her with three children, two twin girls about 12 years old and a boy about, about 16. And the woman's dad was in a nursing home in another city. He had broken his hip and he wanted, to come, he wanted her to come visit him. She didn't have the money, she didn't have the time, but she felt the guilt. She had contracted the flu at Thanksgiving but had not really stopped to get over it. So now she feels lousy and tired and worn out. Then one evening she discovers drugs in her son's bedroom and there's this terrible fight. She cries miserably throughout the night. The next day at work is a total disaster. She has a confrontation with another nurse, loses her composure with an irritable patient, and then one of her favorite patients dies. And while she's still processing that sad event, she bumps into an orderly spilling a meal tray she walks home with a feeling of despair. But on the way, she passes an old brownstone church. And inside, she can hear carols being sung. Something pulls her inside 
She sits in the back. She sees that there's a typical children's reenactment of the nativity scene, complete with makeshift robes, a manger, Mary and Joseph, and a baby. But there's something different about this baby in this manger. It's not a doll. It's a real baby. And it's doing what real babies do, trying to create havoc. And she sees the baby, Jesus, raise his hand to try to pull on Mary's nose. Then he starts getting fussy. Finally, he begins to cry, not just a gentle cry, but a full-throated scream. Nobody can hear the boy reading at the lectern. A woman leaves her pew and takes the baby in her arms, but it has little effect. The congregation sings Silent Night as the baby with the strongest set of lungs in the county is taken noisily from the church and the service is over and somehow this weary nurse, this troubled mother, now feels energized. She marvels to herself, it was a real baby. Jesus was a real baby. It's, it was not just a story. He cried and he fussed and he messed. He caused his mother anguish. He was one of us, just like us. And then she thinks to herself, God really cares about us. God really cares about real life. She becomes radiant at that thought. She buttons her coat, steps from the church onto the cold streets. She smiles at strangers. Something inside of her has changed. All that because suddenly she realized Jesus was real. Folks, Jesus is real. Our redemption is at hand. I don't know what you're going through right now, but whatever it is, Jesus can help you get through it. The Bible is quite realistic. In this world, there are trials, there are tribulations, but be of good cheer. There is one who has overcome the world. Christ Jesus, our Lord. As for the wolf, here's what Isaiah prophesied. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. I don't remember if there's a bunny in this prophecy or not. But just remember, when trouble comes, when these things begin to take place in your life, stand up, raise your head, because your redemption is drawing near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.